The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You are now listening to The Football Five, only on the W2M Network. All right, welcome to The Football Five, alongside Eric Watkins and Rachel McCurger today. I'm Stephen Eric. So as we do every week, we're going to go down the final score from the week that was. Thursday night, the Seahawks beat the Rams 24-3. The Dolphins beat the Jets Saturday night 34-13. Ravens hold the Eagles 27-26. The Bills beat the Browns 33-13. Packers beat the Bears 30-27. The Texans beat the Jaguars 21-20. The Titans beat the Chiefs in Kansas City 19-17. Colts beat over the Vikings 34-6. The G-Men beat the Lions 17-6. The Stellars beat the Bengals 24-20. The Saints beat the Cardinals 48-41. The Falcons beat the 49ers 41-13. Patriots beat the Broncos 16-3. Darius get their first playoff berth since 2002 with the 1916 win in San Diego. The Bartram Cowboys beat the Bucks 26-20. And Monday night, Panthers beat the Redskins 26-15. Now, Pittsburgh overcame a 16-6 deficit after, I don't remember the Bengals running back's name. He Jeremy to, There you go. He attempted to tear the terrible towel. And the Steelers outscored the bank, the Bengals, what, 28-4 to four the rest of the game? What, went up the, what's surprising to me about this is they've won five in a row. Like, no, nobody even watches the Steelers. No, except if you're a Pittsburgh you're a Steelers fan. You Well, of course you watch the Steelers. But my, nobody, not the national media is not really paying attention to Pittsburgh. It's Dak, Zeke, and the Patriots. But Pittsburgh has won five games in a row. They're pretty impressive, Rachel. Yeah, and the media, listen, nobody's ever really cared about the Steelers, but somehow, some way, we find a way to win. What really shocks me about the Steelers doing so well is that they're doing so well with so little because their offense, yes, Antonio Brown's there, yes, Le'Veon Bell is an absolute beast, but there's a lot of injuries. There's Darius Hayward Bay and Marcus Wheaton, and then... um, Martavis Bryant still suspended. But I think a part of the game that goes incredibly unnoticed and that needs a lot more respect is the offensive line. Because in the beginning of the season, when they were struggling for a while, they were giving up sacks left and right, left and right. And these last few games, they have been they've been really, really good. And I don't know what finally got in their head. I know that the last Five games, four out of the five games, Le'Veon Bell had over 100 yards rushing out of four of the five games. And that's all because of the offensive line. And yes, give credit to Le'Veon Bell. Again, he's a beast. And the two rookies in the backfield on defense, they need some love too. Artie Burns and Sean Davis are exactly what the Steelers needed and are exactly what the Steelers were hoping to get. So 
And a lesson to be learned, do not disrespect our terrible towel because, yes, there is a curse. If you hurt it, it will hurt you. And by the way, Chris Boswell, I I want to get his jersey for that game. <laughs> well, and this has been kind of one of the underrated things that's been talked about league-wide is the offensive line play. And think about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel. 236 yards against the Bills? Correct. The Le'Veon Bell? Which is a franchise record. Now, the Steelers, they've had some historic Hall of Fame running backs. They've been around for a while. You set a franchise record for that franchise at that position. That's a big deal. And again, part of that is being the beast that Le'Veon Bell is, but... The blocking scheme, especially with guys like Alejandro Villanueva on the front line, I mean, something is clicking, and you see Roethlisberger's getting more time. He is able to make more or better decisions, especially with short passes and throwing down the deep bombs to Antonio Brown whenever he has to, but he's not taking a lot of hits. Bella's getting open space, and finally this offense is clicked, although... I got a teeny bit rain on your parade, Rachel. Vontez Burfecht left that game with injury. He didn't play the first time either, so... He came back, though, at halftime. Well, okay, he came back at halftime, but you have to admit, he, he was a little bit hampered, and then by the time that the Steelers got rolling well, it wasn't going to be possible to stop him. Yeah, and it didn't help with Drake Kirkpatrick's, like, three holding and pass interference calls either. I swear, you talk about a curse. That wasn't just the terrible towel. Something about that franchise hasn't added up in a good 20 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could actually think that the Steelers could thank the Bengals for that last drive in which Big Ben threw a touchdown to, I believe it was Eli Rogers at the game-winning touchdown. Yep. Yeah, they had like four straight penalties on the defense. A lot of dirty plays by the Bengals, too. But I want to bring this up to Rachel because she brought it up. Artie Burns. Eric, we covered him at Miami last year. I watched, oh, this, guy. Yeah. I watched this guy in the game. I was like, damn, he's the Malcolm Butler of the Steelers. He's great coverage. He's great to fat pass defender. This guy's a beast. Now, the question, the thing, Rachel, the point Rachel brings us up for this topic for this segment is the Steelers can basically do what the Packers are trying to do, run the table with their defense. Uh, I'll let Rachel make her case first before I make mine. I think it's plausible that the Steelers can go far in the playoffs. I here, Here's how I put it. I see the Steelers winning the AFC North. They have Baltimore at home. Next, uh, I mean, on Christmas Day, and they have Cleveland. Enough said. But if you look at the playoffs, really, I'm, I, I do respect the Raiders. I don't see them as like a true contender. If, if I'm looking at the playoff picture, I see New England as the only big real threat. And I think that the Steelers can hold their own against New England. I don't think their offense is better than New England's, but I think their defense is better than New England's. 
And I say that because James Harrison is proving that age does not define anything. That man, I love watching him on Instagram put up those videos of him still lifting these 300 pound like weights and all this stuff. Like he defies age. Lawrence Timmons, Ryan Shazier is probably having the best year of his career. Artie Burns and Sean Davis are doing exactly what was expected. They're doing actually more than what was expected of them. William Gay is still doing William Gay things and being incredible with his coverage. Ross Cockrell was the one that prevented um, the touchdown in the first quarter against the Bengals. If the Bengals got that touchdown, the Steelers wouldn't have won that game. I think the Steelers defense can do enough to hold up. The thing with them is they just need to, they need to come out of the gate. They didn't come out of the gate against the Bengals. They kind of trotted around for a little until they saw Jeremy Hill try to rip up their town. Then they got pissed off and were like, hey, we should actually try. So I think if they come out of the gate, I don't see I don't see much going past them. All right. So I agree. They're, they're both, the Ravens aren't winning the North. The Steels will win the North. They have a one-game lead over them. Pretty much if they beat Baltimore and Pittsburgh on Christmas, they'll, I believe they'll clinch the division. Maybe have to do it week seventeen. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying that the, the, the Raiders aren't contenders. I love Oakland this year. Beer Carr's MVP status. Mari Cooper's doing his thing. Michael Crabtree is still the dark horse with wide receivers. And you say the Patriots are the real threat? No, 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 no. The Raiders are the real threat for the Stellars. See, that, I don't, that, I don't know about that. I see it in the way of. I don't see, I don't, I, I can't envision Derek Carr and his offense <laughs> beating the veteran defense with a hint of young flavor beating the Steelers. I, I don't see that happening. I think that would be a great matchup. I would love to see that game. I would love to see that in Oakland, an AFC title game, because I think that Pittsburgh can't beat New England, because that New England offensive line, garbage. That been since last year's eighth title game. Brady got hit 33 times, and that's why they lost to Denver. And he's out, he's without Gronk. His, his wide receivers dropped a few passes in Denver last week. I feel that the Steelers, the Patriots are just going, they're, they're going down a little bit. And James Harrison, Artie Burns, a few players you mentioned on the Steelers' defense, I feel like that the Steelers could beat the Patriots. But then when they face the Raiders, they're going to have a challenge facing Derek Carr, Mari Cooper, Kilo Mack, and Michael Crabtree. Okay, riddle me this. Well, first of all, yes, because of the way the standings shake out, Pittsburgh beats Cincinnati, eliminating them. So they win against Baltimore, the division is theirs. But would you admit, Rachel, that if there's a key vulnerability in that secondary, they would be vulnerable against quicker receivers? Oh, yeah. That's why I say Oakland can pose a problem. Because with New England, especially as Steven mentioned, without Gronk, they're going to be going much more their dink and dunk underneath style, especially because they kind of built their offense around slot receivers. And while Martavius Bennett is a big deal, he's in a very limited capacity. They don't have a deep threat. The Raiders, however... With Cooper, even still with Michael Crabtree, they've got deep threats. So 
if you give Derek Carr you not as much time in the pocket as usual, but if you give him second and a half, second and three quarters, not even a full two seconds, he can get the ball out. Those receivers can make big plays, and I think that would be a bigger matchup problem for the Steelers, especially Oakland would have the advantage. I think Oakland, they're going to close the deal, win the AFC West, and I honestly see New England stumbling. That could potentially give Oakland the number one seed. So that's going to be some big issues. It would be a hell of a game, but I honestly think if you're a Steeler fan, you want to play the Patriots because they're not on their usual game. Uh, before before Rachel makes your next point, Eric, it's Martellus Bennett, not Martellus. Martellus, my bad. <laughs> and uh, with New England, say you start a new job, you're a cashier or whatever, and you have somebody next to you helping you because they're experienced. That is what Gronk is to Martellus Bennett. Without Gronk, there's no Martellus Bennett, really. True. So that, that's just an even better situation for the Stellars if they go to Foxborough in the playoffs because they'll have no problem covering him because Gronk is out and he's, he's not going to have the big spotlight. But there it is. Oh, for, just watch it out because that offensive line against Khalil Mack, it's going to be a problem. And another tidbit too, believe it or not, while it would be good for the Steelers to win their division, the way that it's shaking out, they would be the three seed. There are some potentially pretty dangerous wildcard matchups sitting at the six. So even then, it would be the least shaky of roads to get through the playoffs. Not saying Pittsburgh can't do damage, but would it surprise me to see them stumble early? No. And in Rachel's defense, I don't know anything about the Oakland secondary, and they do have Antonio Brown and Jess, is his name Jesse James, that one wide receiver, who's pretty pretty good at the slot. I think Jesse James, the thing with him is he's been so absent in the past couple of games. Ladarius Green, since he's come back, he's been taking over the tight end position. And now, with him potentially having a concussion, I, I don't know. Jesse James just hasn't done much for me this year. Like, he has not. I expected more from him. And if, if, I'm, if I'm mistaken, D'Angelo Williams is injured, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, so they still have Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell averages, God, 30, 40 points in fantasy a game. So <laughs> that's oh, another problem for the Raiders. Me. Don't that's remind another... me. <laughs> He's on my bench. My friends won't let me use him in fantasy. It's a... God, I can't even. But anyway, then Rachel's defense, that's another thing the Steelers have against the Raiders' defensive line is Le'Veon Bell. That's going to be another threat for them. So you know what? Forget the Patriots. Let's put the Oakland Raiders and the Pittsburgh Stellars in the AZ title game. Much yes. better game. Much better yes. game. <laughs> and I'm sure I you like will agree. I like it. <laughs> wow. That was... That would be great. There it is against the Stellars. That would be a great AFC title game. Great AFC title game. But I would have the Raiders come out on top. In, in that case, so would I, but I hate to keep referencing my Super Bowl pick, but eh, there's a team in the Midwest that could have something to still say about that. You never know. 
good point. Good point. There's no team down in the south, though, that... Well, you know. Ugh. You know what you know I'm referring to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there is more of the Football Five up next. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, look up McCrigger Photography on Facebook. That's M-C-K-R-I-G-E-R Photography. We specialize in senior pictures, portraits, wedding photos, engagement photos, and family photos. Contact us for rates and dates. Dylan, what are Blake Bortles' first half stats? 299 yards, two touchdowns, and interceptions. He could do better than that. He knows it. Rachel, what's the latest on Big Ben's leg injury? His leg is healing. He should return to the game. The Steelers will need him the rest of the way, so that's a big break for them. Eric, what's the score in Glendale? Cardinals lead the Patriots 42-7. to We all saw that coming. Josh, how are Joe Flacco and Cesar coming along? I mean, I hate to say it, but they're looking good. I mean, they had a great game last week, and they're only one game out of first place in the AFC North. Don't count them being there that long. Do you want to hear more of that? Listen to the Football Five every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the WTM Network. Also, follow us on Twitter, at the Football Five. Would Flex Seal be a better option at your flex position? Do you need a sham wow to clean up the mess you make after your quarterback throws another interception? Then we have the solution for you. I'm Randy Isbell. And I'm Mike Mitchell, and we're here to clean up your fantasy mess with more power than OxyClean. Check out the Fantasy Football to the Max podcast every Monday and Thursday at W2Mnet.com. Are you an arena football fan looking for the latest news involving your team? Inside the Arena has you covered. Check us out for the latest news around both the Arena Football League and the Chinese Arena Football League. Read all of our stellar articles at InsideTheArena.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at Inside underscore Arena. And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InsideTheArena. So we talked about the Steelers, the first segment. Now we're going to keep in the AFC North. We're talking about possibly the worst team in NFL history. Yeah. Worse than the 2008 Detroit Lions. Worse than the 2000, no, not 2000, the 1979 Tampa Bay Bucks. This is the 2016 Cleveland Browns. They have played how many, five quarterbacks this year, possibly six, and they are 0-14. And they're not just losing. They are getting blown out by everybody they play. And it just gets worse. They play the Chargers next week in Cleveland. The Chargers should be a playoff team, but they can't hold on to the fourth quarter leads and can't finish games strong. And then they're, what are they, are they in Pittsburgh for the Week 17 game, Rachel? I think so. That sounds it just it just gets worse for Cleveland and Eric says what happens if they do go 0 and 16? Oh 
okay. Well, first of all, let, let's be honest. It would take a few more losses before they get to the realm of the 76-77 Buccaneers, which, because of scheduling as an expansion franchise, they lost to nearly every single team in the National Football League at that time in a mere two-year span. It was that bad. But my thing is this. Between the really lack of quarterback controversy, Kessler, RG3, McCown, Terrell Pryor throwing passes, you name it, this is a franchise that has had moments of pride especially in the late 80s. This is a franchise with very proud fans. And I wonder, would going 0-16 finally make the wake-up call that this is a franchise that doesn't necessarily need to rebuild on the field first, but they need to rebuild from the top down? I have no clue what the owner is doing. General management's been a mess they can't keep a coach even though they put them in terrible situations and they don't exercise patience. I mean, what is going on? Not to mention, after going three decades plus between teams running the table backwards, now you could have two within the span of less than 10 years? I mean, there's got to be thousands of alarm bells going off somewhere at this situation. So Cleveland has about a 90% chance to go 0-16. I mean, obviously, they're going to go 0-16. It's going to happen. They can't beat the Chargers, even though Chargers, the Chargers are, they can't hold a fourth quarter lead, but they're not going to lose to Cleveland. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, the Bills are somewhat mediocre, and look what happened when they yeah. played Cleveland. So Yeah, exactly. And then, and then Pittsburgh, come on. In Pittsburgh? No way. No. I don't think since coming back from being the Baltimore Ravens back in like 1995 that the Browns ever won in Pittsburgh. Uh, they might have once because the Browns were reestablished as a franchise in 99. 99, okay. Yeah, and I think, I'm not sure about the regular season, but I think Cleveland did beat Pittsburgh with Kelly Holcomb as a quarterback in the playoffs. But that was early 2000s? (laughs) Before Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, way before Ben Roethlisberger. I think that might have been Maddox I ref- quarterback. I think you're referring to the 2002 playoff game between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I remember that game. Pittsburgh yeah, came back. Th- they, they were down big, and Cleveland blew it. Yeah, 36-33. I knew it was just one of those because I saw Kelly Holcomb, and I believe that really was Tommy Maddox fresh off of his stint in the XFL. So, it, it, And it's just... Even since then, hopes were up, but it's just been consistent. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Can't find a quarterback to save their life. Can't find any decent talent to stay there. Their pride and joy has been a very good, but still Pro Bowl center. I mean, where are you going as a football team 
if that's where you hang your hat on. Yeah, and on to on your note, like nobody wants to go to Cleveland. Like that's just the law of the land. You're right. They don't have any excuse me, talent that can just stay there because nobody finds it appealing. RG3 went there so he could quote-unquote revitalize his career. Yeah, pal, your career ain't getting revitalized in Cleveland. Yeah, I said that they have a terrible history of destroying quarterbacks, and now it's gone to the physical sense, but I figured that was happening anyways. And it's bad enough that you have to sell tickets to for a dollar to try to fill stadiums, but now that there are reports that even local fans on TV in their home market would rather see the next Bengals game instead of their Browns. I mean, I get that there are more intriguing matchups out there, but when fans are requesting a local blackout, you've sunk to a new low. Listen, let's put it this way. I went to first energy stadium in June for a U.S. women's national team match. And I was talking to one of the guys that worked there and he said, this is the most this stadium has been filled in a while. Well, that should tell you a lot in the city. That's once again, become the mistake by the lake. And yes, being in Jacksonville, I probably shouldn't talk because we've won 16 games in the last five years, but still, we're not Cleveland. Yeah, and they were they were talking. I don't know if you if you saw this, but like I guess the men's national team is having one of their gold cup matches in Cleveland, and a lot of the workers um, at First Energy Stadium are all preparing for a huge crowd like that, but they're not preparing for a huge crowd for any other game this season. They said that that's what they, like, I was reading an article and the people of Cleveland were like, that's what we're looking forward to in this stadium. We're not looking to the Browns. We're looking for the men's national team. Well, and I mean, And that's a whole, like, seven months away. Well, I mean, think about it. At least with the men's national team, they have a history of success, a recent history of success, and you know it's at least decent weather aside from heat waves in June and July in Cleveland. So you can sit out at that stadium, not be as miserable, and you might get to see a home team win. True. (laughs) That has not happened. And I mean... In cases in Cleveland, it gets cold, real cold. And I'm oh. sorry, there's no way that I could get that drunk to sit out there, dog mask or no, and root on that bunch of appropriately attired, color-wise team out there. Because that, no. So I thought of a few things that Cleveland should do. For first off, I want to acknowledge that I've heard that they're going after Texas A&M defensive end jail. Uh, and those last name Garrett or something. Miles Garrett, I think his name is. I don't think that's where the problem lies is in defense. I think they need another quarterback. So I think maybe they look at the Sean Watson because I'm pretty sure he's going to go to the draft. Uh, he, he he announced that he is because they honored him at the whole senior night at Clemson. But I it. I like Deshaun too much to see him in Cleveland, though, Steven. Don't hey, do I, that. I, I, like, I like Kevin Hogan from Stanford. He went to Cleveland. I like Cody Kessler at USC. Went to Cleveland. 
I like Johnny Manziel. I love Johnny Manziel with Cleveland. It, it happens, man. The Cleveland Cleveland Browns need to do something to make their team better. And if that's get the best quarterback in the draft, so be it. Because I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to the draft. No, he isn't. But uh, no, I mean, even again, what would they do if they got yet another talented quarterback? I mean, do you really want me to sit and name through the list of quarterbacks that they've had? But going all the way back to Tim Couch, you need someone, you need a general manager who's patient enough to have a coach and keep that coach patient enough to try to build a team because a quarterback clearly is not going to solve all of their problems. I mean, I knew that something was wrong when they fired Rob Chudzinski after one year. Well, if nothing in the draft is going to help Cleveland, maybe they go back to 1995. Maybe they take the team out of Cleveland and put them somewhere else. Yeah, but where? You think London is going to tolerate uh, that little dumpster fire that you've got going on? Hmm. Let's see. What team could use an NFL what city can use an NFL team? Big needs to be a big city. Probably not one with the football team. Yeah, but you've already got thirty-two. If you're talking <laughs> about, uh, oh yeah, the St. Louis Browns. Oh, oh didn't, they, they, didn't they try that once already with baseball? And look at what happened. <laughs> What? You, you had a guy with one arm batting in a World Series? Are you going to have a one-armed quarterback with a prosthetic leg? I mean, really. Think carefully now. At this point, the Browns will try anything. They don't, that really left them much choice. Oh, it, it, why? I don't know. Maybe if you think we all submit our resumes, we could get front office jobs up there. I mean, Probably. we could get used to the weather. <laughs> I'm already uh, used to the weather. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> we'll see. That's one. <clears throat> I wouldn't mind living in Cleveland. I mean, besides Cleveland the Browns. Cleveland is actually a very, very nice city. I actually, I'm, I'm going there January 7th and 8th just for a, just for a night trip. And it's actually a very, very nice city. I almost went to college there. It's a great city. The people are great. I love the people of Cleveland. It just, the Browns suck. It's just it's the just Browns. A- I mean, they have, the, the Indians went to the World Series. The Cavs are NBA champions. The Gladiators <laughs> were Arizona Rattlers away from the Arena Bowl. The Monsters won the, what's, what's the title in the AHL? I don't even the know. The Calder Cup. There you go. They're, they're champions in the AHL. It's just the Browns. And now they're talking about getting a soccer team. And not to mention, they've had a long history of indoor soccer, too, with some success. Hashtag Cleveland Crunch. And the national teams go there a lot. Browns, congratulations. You are the second 0-16 team in NFL history with two games left. (laughs) Yeah, be, be prepared to have your picture in the Hall of Fame right alongside Detroit. Yeah, all right. All right, there's more of the Football Five up next. Are you an arena football fan looking for the latest news involving your team? Inside the Arena has you covered. 
check us out for the latest news around both the Arena Football League and the Chinese Arena Football League. Read all of our stellar articles at InsideTheArena.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at Inside underscore Arena. And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InsideTheArena. Would Flex Seal be a better option at your flex position? Do you need a sham wow to clean up the mess you make after your quarterback throws another interception? Then we have the solution for you. I'm Randy Isbell. And I'm Mike Mitchell. And we're here to clean up your fantasy mess with more power than OxyClean. Check out the Fantasy Football to the Max podcast every Monday and Thursday at W2Mnet.com. Dylan, what are Blake Bortles' first half stats? 299 yards, two touchdowns, and interceptions. He could do better than that. He knows it. Rachel, what's the latest on Big Ben's leg injury? His leg is healing. He should return to the game. The Steelers will need him the rest of the way, so that's a big break for them. Eric, what's the score in Glendale? Cardinals lead the Patriots 42-7. We all saw that coming. Josh, how are Joe Flacco and Cisa coming along? I mean, I hate to say it, but they're looking good. I mean, they had a great game last week, and they're only one game out of first place in the AFC North. Don't count them being there that long. Do you want to hear more of that? Listen to the Football Five every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the WTM Network. Also, follow us on Twitter, at the Football Five. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, look up McCrigger Photography on Facebook. That's M-C-K-R-I-G-E-R Photography. We specialize in senior pictures, portraits, wedding photos, engagement photos, and family photos. Contact us for rates and dates. So this is we have Rachel on tonight, and we love having her on because she brings the fire every time she comes on. And we look to have her back full-time very soon. I have to remind her, while the Stellars have won five straight games, I like to remind her of the last time they lost uh, to most of my Dallas Cowboys. And I, Let's have a story here. Let's have a story here because we have a lot of oh, time left. I knew this I, was I was in, I, You guys know I went to New Jersey first, first and second week of November. My friend Corey, huge Steelers fan. And we go to his, I go to his house, it's the final night I'm there, I'm leaving tomorrow, sadly. And we watch the end of the game, because it was like 6 o'clock, I'm watching the end of the game at his house. And Tony Brown scores, and he's like, oh, and your face, I'm like, no, we blew it, it's over, the streak is over, we lost to the Stellars, I knew this was going to happen. And then with 9 seconds left, Zeke, like a hot knife through butter, right up the middle. Winner, winner, chicken parm dinner. La, la, la. I'm not listening. <laughs> but anyway, the reason, I, the reason I bring up my, my man Zeke is because our next topic is one I heard on Undisputed with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Who's more valuable, Dak Prescott or Zeke Elliott? Now I'm going to start. I'm going to start here. It's Zeke. Straight point blank. Put an exclamation point on it. Whatever. It's Zeke. Cowboys have struggled the last four games. Let's see. Before the, I got to check who played played before Minnesota, because that's where I was starting. They struggled a lot against Minnesota, but Zeke still rushed for 100 yards, I believe. 
Because the Giants, well, we know what happened with the Giants. Dak was god-awful. Off-target passes all night long. Zeke rushed for 100 yards. OBJ, though. So oh, I told, I tell you, I said before the game, if they could be OBJ, OBJ, they can win the game. They couldn't be OBJ. Go figure. Well, they did, aside from that one play in the fourth <laughs> quarter. So uh, that exactly. But anyway, anyway. So all of the, against the Vikings, the Giants, and then even against Tampa, that kind of little, you know, his little struggles, and whatnot. He didn't. He couldn't. Throw, he didn't throw a touchdown pass and get Tampa back. Even though he forced the defense forced four Tampa turnovers, two James Winston interceptions, and a James Winston fumble, Ruski, and Zeke still rushed for hundred yards. So if you ask me, Zeke, if everyone, oh, Dak Prescott, oh my God, he's great. Yeah, he's great, but he struggles. Zeke has not struggled. He, yeah, he's he's coughed the ball up a few times. He lost one fumble in Minnesota, I believe. But other than that, he's he's the biggest part of this Cowboys success. Everyone wants to put gave it to Dak, but Zeke he deserves way much more credit. Okay, before I give my take, did you really sit here and say that Dak struggled against Tampa Bay? Zero passing touchdowns. Uh what was his completion percentage? I'll have to look that up. Give me a sec. Yeah, well, I can tell you. 88.9. He was 32 for 36. The only one that has any quarterback that has done better in a single game was Rich Cannon back in 02 when he, I believe that was a game he completed 21 in a row on Monday night in the process of going 34 for 38. Yes, he did not throw any touchdown passes, but. He still threw for nearly 300 yards. Now, I am going to agree with you. How Zeke takes advantage of the offensive line, and especially how he knows how to celebrate in certain situations. He hasn't run for 14 touchdowns by accident. Gets through the hole, has always had that speed, doesn't necessarily need to sidestep a whole bunch, Breaks a lot of big ones to keep the pressure off Dak. But when Dak is on, he did not struggle against Tampa Bay. That was one of his best nights, even as without throwing a touchdown pass that he's had all season. When he's on, he's on. All right, I'll I'll give you the one against Tampa. He did pretty damn good. But against the, the Vikings, against the Giants... And even against Washington, I just looked it up. Before they played Minnesota, they played Washington on Thanksgiving. He had his struggles. Zeke, not so much. I'm going to give my two cents. But, Stephen, this is for you for bringing up that horrific loss by the Steelers. (laughs) I would like to bring up the BS ridiculous fact that they did not find Ezekiel Elliott and in the words of Le'Veon Bell and I quote AB and I got fined for a handshake dot 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 a handshake end quote enough of that bullcrap whatever (laughs) moving on Um, (laughs) I I can honestly say that I don't pay enough attention to the Cowboys to make a decision on this matter. But I will say, 
as much as I hate to admit it, because I hate Ezekiel Elliott, cannot stand his attitude. He is a stud. Like Eric said, he did not rush for 14 touchdowns for no reason. But I think we're giving a little bit too much credit to him. We need to give more credit to the offensive line and Jason Witten for opening up those holes for him. No, no good offensive line, no good tight end blocking, no good Ezekiel Elliott. It's simple math. Now, going to the side of Dak Prescott, I, the thing that I can't fathom as just a football fan in general is how quick people are to say that Dak is struggling. Okay, maybe he'll have a, a bad game. He's a quarterback. He's a human. He's going to have a bad game. But I look at it this way. Do you really want to say that he's struggling? And by the way, all of the Cowboy fans that cried for Tony Romo after what, the Vikings game? That's the game he did really bad in? What game was that? That was I the think... game against the Giants. Yep. Okay, yeah, the Giants. For all the Cowboys fans crying and moaning about bring Tony back because Zeke, ha- uh, not Zeke, Dak had a bad game. Get off your high horse. Get real. Dak is your man. Like, I can't stand the Cowboys whatsoever, but Dak Prescott is phenomenal and he is your man. Rachel, bye bye. Bye bye, Tony. Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> let, me, let me give you some old head wisdom here. What have I said multiple times about the Cowboys? Cowboys fans are irrational. I mean, you had any idea what we had to put up with with Steven for these past couple of weeks leading up to those games? Uh, You don't know. (laughs) But, I mean, and, and I will say, even Jason Garrett said they need to change the celebration rule, but... Because of that offensive line, like, they give time with Dak in the pocket, and that's I was the first thing that I pointed to. That's why those holes are there, but you even have to have some skill, half shirt and all, to try to take advantage of that. And I say that because, like I said, if I looked that good, I would be rocking a half tuxedo like he did to the NFL draft. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think it goes back to the offensive lines. And this goes for Dallas, for uh, the Steelers, for Oakland, for whoever you want to make the case for. No offensive line, no quarterback, no running back. It's pretty simple math. I think while, yes, both of them are good players, the credit, I'm going to say for your question, Stephen, neither, I'm going to answer with, the offensive line. Yeah, Rachel's one of those people, and I i mean, make it doesn't make sense. It does, but it doesn't at the same time. Rachel's one of those people that say, forget giving Zach the MVP. Don't give Zeke the MVP. Give that whole offensive line the MVP. No, I still wouldn't <laughs> give any of them the MVP, honestly. <laughs> but I'm, I'm well, it's like just to... like the case of the Heisman. To me, it's a classic. They're going to split votes. So that takes them both out of contention. I'm going to go back to the point Rachel made about Tony Romo. She is spot on. Spot on about that. I'm just so stupid. It's so annoying. Like, listen, I'm not a Cowboys fan by any means. My father raised me in a Steeler household and said, I swear to God, if you bring a Cowboys jersey home, 
you get you can sit outside, whatever. <laughs> like, and I'm just so sick of one bad game. It's Tony Romo. No, do you? No, no. You want Tony Romo? You want to choke in the end of the season and choke? Yeah. Yes. Thank. Oh my god, I'm so happy Rachel's on tonight to bring up this point. Dak has one bad game. Oh my god, Romo d- does this better than Dak. Romo does better than that, that better than Dak. Yeah. That's yeah, well, great. Romo just well, is terrible in general. Sorry, Steven. He's terrible. No, no, no. no I'm with you. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm not one of those Cowboys fans. I want Romo back. Good. Romo has played, he's started in the NFL for now 10 years. This is his 10th season starting. He has one playoff game, one playoff win. Let me say this about Tony Romo. Tony, we appreciate your time, but it's not you, it's me. Goodbye. (laughs) Well, Um, he he, he even admitted that he was just completely defeated and philosophical at that press conference. He's just like, yeah, you know what? I guess serves me right for replacing Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, I'm out. Bye. (laughs) Now, I'm not, I'm not anti-Tony Romo. Tony Romo's a great quarterback. He's broken records that Troy Aikman held, that Roger Staubach held in Dallas history. But he's also injury-prone as all hell. When, if, say, the offensive line struggles in one game or whatever, one play, Dak's going to run, run out of the pocket. He's going to scramble. He's going to try and run for a first down. Romo, he takes the L. He's just like, all right, come get me. And then, bam, there goes his collarbone. Bam, there goes his back. Bam, there goes his freaking finger. Back in 2010, he missed eight games because he broke his finger. No, no, he broke his collarbone. He missed two games one year because he broke his finger in Arizona. He broke something. He is like a vase. He, Romo, Tony Romo is a vase. Well, you touch not him? To, <laughs> well, not to mention you touch him, he's just terrible in pressure situations. He is look awful. at the teams. Look at the teams that he's taken to the playoffs. What happens when he gets to the playoffs? All of a sudden, the bed is soiled. Not to mention, look at the shootout that he had against Peyton Manning. That ball was flying through the air, ready to break the Flying Dutchman's record, and it gets intercepted. A lot of quarterbacks don't do that. Tony Romo does. That was a great game, though. The Dallas-Denver game back in 2013. We were down 14 nothing, and then they were and then they were up by 14, and then we were up by 14. They kept going back and forth. And then what did Romo do? Choked! He threw an interception at, like, the Denver 20. No, at his own 20. And the Denver had it at our 20. And they'd kick a field goal to win the game with no time left. Dak would do that. Dak would make better plays than that. Exactly. And Dak would break the Flying Dutchman's record. Plain and simple. Sean, you're a Cowboys fan. How, what do you, where do you stand on this whole Dak versus Rumble situation? <clears throat> Hold on, guys. You have to... Like, ah, uh, okay, sorry. Uh, you know, we've always been consistent on, on the Football to the Max podcast, both Gary and I being Cowboys fans, that you decided to go with Dak, you stick with Dak. It doesn't matter if Dak has a bad game or whatever. I mean, the only time he's had bad games and the whole team has had, you know, except for the defense, the whole offense had a bad game. Against the Giants. I mean, you really going to sit Dak for that? I think people that are so short-sighted that think it's just the quarterback are idiots. I mean, Yes, and Sean, you said it perfectly. Consistency. This is literally just like every other sport, basketball, soccer, whatever. If you go switching from person to person to person to person, 
that's going to leave so many people. That entire offense is going to be confused. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Yeah, I mean, it's the team has been performing fine. Yeah, maybe they don't throw the ball down the field all the time or whatever. Maybe Romo did that better than Dak, but that's pretty much the only thing that you can really say because Dak takes care of the ball. He can run, which Romo can run, but it's not in the same way Dak can. You know, you got Zeke behind you that's going to run everywhere. I mean, the the we have to give a lot of credit to the Giants having one heck of a defense. Let's just be honest. They have a tremendous defense. They put all the money over there, and it paid off for them. And this is also a very known opponent. So, again, like, you know, the Cowboys showed in the in the Bucks game, this is what you're going to get now. This is the Cowboys team. Uh, you're going to have to play some tremendous defense to be able to stop them. And then on the other side of the ball, that defense is starting to really get better at the right time. And, you know, we were worried about the defense at first. Now they're starting to be more of a complete team. So... They've really earned that 12-2 record they have right now. See, Rachel, this is what I mean by rationality. A rare trait among Cowboys fans. This is what it sounds like. <laughs> Take note, everyone. <laughs> uh, Eric, were you one that brought up Dick and Dunk, or was that somebody else? No, I, I'm pretty sure that I did in some... Yeah, and especially I see that a lot with the Patriots offense... As Dak was getting comfortable, the Cowboys did try that, and that's why Cole Beasley was having a Pro Bowl-type numbers. But as the season's gone on and he's developed more of a presence in the pocket, more of awareness with his receivers and routes, they've started to throw the ball down right. field, yes. and it's getting successful. Yes, yeah. with Romo, you had an opportunity to do that more right away, and yes, that leads to more mistakes, but... You you have more of a backup plan if things go wrong and you can make adjustments easier with Dak than you could with Tony Romo. Yeah, like Sean said, Romo is better, or I should say was better, at throwing deep passes than Dak was. Now, I mean, back in like week one, week two, yeah, Dak throws short passes. And I, I kept saying, why is he throwing short passes? He needs to throw deeper. And as week's gone on, like Eric said... He's thrown deeper, and it's been good. So now Dak has pretty much outdone Romo in every way a quarterback can outdo another quarterback. So Dak I, is I, the man in Dallas. Obviously, he's still there's things that he's going to be able to improve only by I think having another year of training camp and right. and those sorts of things. You know, being able to learn to throw a guy open and being able to. Uh, read the field a bit better because sometimes he does kind of get stuck on one side of the field and when he's going to go over to the other side he starts figuring out okay I better move and all that I mean I think they're really learning it seems like they're taking out of the Seattle playbook and saying okay this is what Russell Wilson did let's try to do that with Dak and I think just like Russell Wilson has Dak will improve as the years go on and this is even the same thing Russell Wilson's first season he wasn't prepared, and they weren't practicing him like he was going to be the starter. That was Matt Flynn. It wasn't until deeper into the preseason where they saw his talent and what he could really do that he won the starting job. Similar situation to where Dak really wasn't 
practiced and they weren't preparing him to be the starter. I think this offseason and going into next year's training camp and preseason where they do prepare him to be the starter, that's where you can see a fairly big jump. And I think what sells me the most on Dak is how confident he is. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to him. He's right on, just, you know, cool about it the next week. He's he's acting like it's no big deal. You know, a lot of rookies wouldn't act this way. He has a lot of confidence in himself, and so far it's it's worked out for him. Yeah, I honestly thought after the Giants loss, the Zeke Zeke would be mad. I feel like Zeke is Zeke is one of those. I feel like he would be one of those players that get upset after a loss, but he seems to be cool about it. So that's that's good that he stays calm under pressure like that. So to wrap it up, Dex demand, but Zeke's more valuable. The Steelers can beat the Patriots. They can't beat the Raiders. But nobody is going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. My Cowboy, I cannot believe, I was never going to say this in the beginning of the season. When we started this, when we did the season preview, we don't know nothing about Dak. We just knew Ronald was injured. But now I can say it. My Dallas Cowboys are going to be Super Bowl 51 champions. Let's go. Oh, God. Do I need to get another bottle of champagne? <laughs> what have you just done? What please, have please you Please don't what? say things oh, before they happen. <laughs> Eric, please let me join you. <laughs> hey, hey I, I can get two cheaper ones by by all means. Because yeah, um, for for all the fans out there, keep in mind that the the opinions of Steve and Eric do not reflect those of the Football Five as a whole. <laughs> um, he, he was the same one that said that the Carolina Panthers were going to go nineteen and zero, oh, and he also said last season that the Golden State Warriors were going to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, please, I highly advise you to take these predictions <laughs> with a pretty sizable grain of sea salt. Thank you oh, very much. God. Rachel, thank you for joining us this week. Glad to have you back. Glad to be back. That'll do it for us here from Football 5. Alongside Eric Watkins and Rachel McCurd. Sean, thank you for joining us as well for that one segment. I'm Stephen Erd. The Cowboys are going to be super in the Super Bowl. But we'll, still, we'll, be, we'll be back next week for other hot topics. The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.